Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 21 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. Sorry, caught me in the middle of a weird yawn there. So... Cool. Great energy to start the show. High Great energy. energy to start High the show. Coming just- at ya. Now listen, um, Matt. We are we are many things. I'm many things, both as a, I think a podcaster and as an individual human being. But I don't think a high octane would be one of the rev the engines. It's would happening. Be, would it's be all one happening now. <laughs> would be one We're coming things. at you now. Traffic on the twos. <laughs> oh, Come on, man. big dog. What do we got today? Man, I hate morning radio so much. Oh, yeah, gosh. Good. And now it's time for Mega Ranger in the Morning. Mega Ranger in the Morning. With your hosts, Moonshine, Matty J, and the Big Dog. I only hope that doing this this goofball podcast is in some way like like a sort of like a from hell's Saving heart I stab at the <laughs> right like you could listen to us be knuckleheads and but at least you don't have to listen to like goober and the bandit no <laughs> I might actually listen to goober and the bandit well the problem is that the bandit I think is forever taken right Man, I don't know. Because maybe, maybe it's an Ann. old one, and then it's cycled out, probably. Maybe the bandit cycled out. Oh, the Smokey and the bandit never cycles out, Dave. Oh, I th- you know, Dude, I totally cycle their engines. <laughs> oh, jeez. Can we please, can we please do anything with this? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, well, folks, it's a, it's a beautiful, crisp fall evening. See, and, this is uh, where I'm at. Here to, this is my we're just energy. Here to chill out, and, and we're going to... We're going to enjoy going through the ins and the outs of episode 21 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It's called Now's the Time, the life-threatening superfusion. And yes, now. that might be the most peaceful way I've ever said the words life-threatening. Now, twice a year, we do come to you for your support. And uh, we've just gotten word that generous well a, ge- a generous person is offered they're going to match every donation they're going to match every donation dollars now now that only is good up until the nine o'clock hour so we've we've got another 45 minutes here and we really need you all to come out and support us all if you can please dial the number on your screen there's no screen. i do I, mean, there is I love i assume you have a phone i i love the eternal like the hope springs eternal like we need to raise $15,000, and we have 30 seconds left in this hour. So if you guys could just call your... And, like, they, their intonation never changes. They could be like, we need a million dollars in the next three seconds, or us and all of our loved ones will die. <laughs> and I'm absolutely confident they would deliver it the exact same way. 
You know, I've I've got a friend who actually works at the local NPR affiliate. Yeah. And when he started working there as like a guy who works the boards, and he does more there now. He's been there for years. But um he I talked to him about it. He's like, Oh yeah, like when I first started being a guy who would like you know, just do like weather and traffic stuff. Not traffic, I guess. But you know, like interstitial bits on the the local show in the mornings. Like they would come to me afterwards and be like, okay, that was good, but like, here is how you talk to make it sound more NPR. Nice. There's like an NPR and I'll tell you what, style like, guide. I love it. Yeah. And like, I'll tell you what, he still works there and I hear him on the radio now. I'm like, oh, he's got it. He nailed it. There it is. He nailed it. He got it. <laughs> anyway, Dave, speaking, speaking of, of nailing it, speaking of where oh. it is. Shining in the heavens, as always, Dave, there are five stars. It's the name of our officially award-winning opening segment, and I would like you, if possible, to tell me what our first star of the week is. Man, it is possible, and I'm delighted to tell you our first star of the week. It's Bun Vulcan. Welcome to Bun Vulcan. So, Matt, what do you have for Bun Vulcan? Well, Dave, um, so, as you know, you have been making croissants. I have been making croissants. Uh, uh, and I have, I have been interested in sort of dipping my toe in that, but there's That's a lot very to interesting. it, right? Like, it's, it's not just, it's, there's a lot more to it than just making bread, right? Uh, there's more yes. ingredients, there's yeah, more yeah, steps. Yeah. Which is not to downplay the the complexity of bread making, but you know, like that's you know, like making puff pastry at home is like a special thing, mm-hmm. and like croissants is like you know, sort of that and a half. Yeah, that's true. So my, it is my, yeasted, not technically puff pastry. Go ahead. My my uh, bun Vulcan this week is that I have officially acquired all of the ingredients to make croissants. That's a big step, um, Matt. You need some special stuff. I got I got especially fatty butter. I got well, what would you stuff. go with? I got a rolling pin. Um, it's like a Amish butter. It's called like Minerva or something. Miranda, maybe. Oh, okay. It's like eighty four five percent fat. Oh, that's a high butter fat content, butter. Matt. That's high quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that. That's what I was aiming for. Unsalted high butter fat uh, percentage. That's what you need. And I and the only way you can get it is as like the log. So now I've just got like this hunk of butter sitting in my fridge. You'll which find is fine. if I'll imagine. I'll no, go. no, no. You'll find you go through it remarkably quickly. Uh, well, if I can figure out how to make these things, sure I will. Like that's the whole thing with those things is like they're amazingly a butter delivery system. Yeah, it is. It is very butter dependent. It is high, uh, high volume, high volume butter. I actually have. This is also my bun Vulcan this week. Is I've, I've kind of, I kind of sort of like stepped away from croissant for a while, just because I was like, oh, I'm making a lot of these. Like, let me try something else. And I'm kind of looping back in. And the here is the biggest problem that I am having is that I, I am really having trouble regulating the temperature of my butter because if the butter is too uh-huh. warm, yeah. Like, and it's really friggin' tricky because if the butter is too warm, it seeps out the seams or just kind of like mashes into the dough. But if it's too cold, mm-hmm. the butter cracks. And if the butter cracks, what you end up with 
is you don't get those like really big air pockets, like that really beautiful honeycomb. You get like really small ones because it's these little mm. these little pieces of butter that are evaporating and you want the big sheets and that's how you get that sort of like classic croissant honeycomb. And I just like for the life of me, I have followed every direction I can figure out that I can find like different methods and I just I am I am having so much trouble hitting that sweet spot. And it's like it's really it's actually really frustrating. <laughs> like they still well, taste very you nice. Had, like you were making them very successfully, like in the summertime. Yeah, no no no. This is a problem. Um even my most successful ones, I have still had a problem. This has been like my consistent problem. I still have not like gotten the feel for it for it to be right. And like listen, there's still like Poofy, delicious, crunchy, uh, you know, butter, butter pastries. It's not like anyone's suffering eating them, but they're sure. not like the, they're not like the thing, like just how you want mm-hmm. it to be. And I still, it's driving me like low, low key crazy. Like it's really driving me nuts. So what, what I realized is that I got all of this stuff and I, I read you, you were kind enough to send me over the recipe that you've been using and I read it like 10 times and I looked at all my ingredients and I looked at my equipment and I pulled out my new rolling pin and I put like the little silicon rings on either side that I oh, got nice. with the spacers yeah, yeah, yeah. to make sure that I was doing like level uh, rolling uh, sheets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was like, this is very intimidating and I just am going to go play video games for a while instead um i was like man i I feel like there's something that's lacking i feel like there's one thing that's really gonna like put me over the top i i just need to spend money to feel good about doing this which is something that i've been dealing with all year frankly because you know like if you can't go anything or do anything interesting you just want to buy things for your kitchen instead Mm -hmm. you know how it is yeah i dig it anyway i dig it you're you're side questing is what you're doing yeah I'm, I'm yes, Dave. That is exactly what I'm doing. I'm grinding out some levels so that when I go back to face the boss, I will have leveled up sufficiently. Yeah. Uh, and and the side quest strategy. that I have gone on now is that I have uh, purchased and ordered, although not yet received, a six quart bowl lift kitchen aid stand mixer. Dude, that's which is the, uh, entirely that's the too much for my needs. Now, listen, we talked about this, and the price difference... Here's the thing. This is a very much an in-for-a-penny-in-for-a-pound situation. The price differential between, like, the the Cadillac version and, like, the, the fine version is, like, fairly minor. So if you're already going to get the, the fine version, just spring for the Mac Daddy KitchenAid. You're not going to miss that money in a year, and you'll have the KitchenAid for life. Yeah. Now, now here I think is the problem, Dave, is that I feel like... Based on the size of this KitchenAid and the size of my kitchen, I'm about to be hitting some real Jafar there, problems. There which is that I will have, have a problem, like, yes. tremendous ultimate prob- power with an itty-bitty living space, which is a that really is, good Aladdin joke. It is really good. Uh, that is a concern. I'm, I am confident, Matt, that you will, that you will figure it out. I'll what, just throw Matt? some more kitchen junk in my basement <laughs> to get rid of it. <laughs> is our second star of the week. Dave, second star of the week is, I know we've talked about this semi-recently, and I don't have, like, more interesting things to say about it, but we've been continuing to play our, uh, our long, long-running mage game, and Dave, mage is just really good, and I want to talk about it. It is really good. But no now, one, man, I will, no one say... will care to hear me talk about it. 
And I don't know I mean, how I'm going to do this star. Because I feel like this star is just me talking about how no one wants to hear me talk about Mage. And I don't know how to make that interesting. Like, okay, Dave, here's... I was in the shower this morning thinking about Mage. As I do basically every day that I try to not think about the election when I'm in the shower. Yeah, that's Those huge. are kind of my, really my, big... my battling shower thoughts. No, I got it. I got it. Um... Uh, and so I was, I, I, I succeeded this morning. So I was thinking about Mage in the shower and I was like, man, you know, the thing about the road to Ascension is that you don't climb the mountain cause you want to get to the peak of the mountain. You climb the mountain cause you want to get to the sky. And then I thought about that. I'm like, man, that's a great Mage thought. And then I thought about telling that thought to anybody who didn't play Mage. Like they would think I was an insane idiot who was like, who had yeah. read a self-help book one time. But, like, in the context of Mage, it works. It's, it, it also no, sounds here... like a weird, like, man, you're not, the, you're, not the, you're not the weather, you're the sky. Like, it sounds like that. But in Mage, man, don't climb to get to the peak. Climb to get to the sky. It's, it's very good if you think about Listen, it. And you know what I'm man, talking about, which you probably I don't. Know, you do. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm going to say. Is I actually think there's a lot more. I'm going to give you a lot more credit. I think there's a lot more there than, than you were kind of giving shrift to. Because this, I think, is the great thing about about Mage. Um, listen, I, I think the great thing about role playing games in general is that it is beyond the fact, just the fact that they're fun, right? Like lots of things are fun, um, but I do think that there is some kind of enduring value in playing role playing games. And what I think that value is is it's a it's a place for you to psychologically explore things in a in a in a kind of controlled and safe environment but the thing that i think is really great about mage is that it is not only a place to explore things sort of psychologically uh if you are really engaging with the game uh, i think it is a really cool way it's a it's a really valuable thought training tool because of the structure, I, mean, I of the, agree with uh, you. Yeah, I think like because of the structure of Mage, it really makes you like it. Sort of forces you if you kind of play the game long enough and really engage with it. It really forces you to engage with um, your own with your own preconceived notions and like why do you think the things that you think? Like it forces you to deal with your own um, unknown knowns. Like things that you sort of think without realizing that you think them, and and that's like an enormously valuable thing, and I think it's actually really cool. Um, I actually, yeah. in the, our most... by the way, the, the reason the reason for this, by the way, if you have not played Mage, is that the whole like overarching thing about Mage is it is a game about like wizards versus scientists, but it is more a game about like what is the nature of reality and how do you transcend it. Yeah, and like, right. how do you understand it and like achieve enlightenment? Yeah, um, I think everything yeah. else is it's really enlightenment, the role playing game. Um, everything else, I think, is right. kind but of but there's just a lot dressing. of katanas in it. There's gosh, there's so many katanas. Um, and everything else is sort of is sort of window dressing. But I, uh, like, so for example, like the last game we were or the last session we played, I I had like achieved this thing. My character was able to do this thing mechanically. And I had sort of like thrown around the idea of doing it in uh, in a kind of a casual way. If you play mage, I basically, I have one dot in every sphere. And so I was using sensory magic at like one dot spheres, but like all at the same time, it was real bonkers. And, and so I like had done it. And then like, as part of the story that we're telling, 
I, I really engaged with it in like a super intense way. And the realization that I had as part of that was like, oh, this was a thing that I was capable of that I had a philosophy about and or I had like a theory about and that I could technically do, but I had not really engaged in the full reality of of my own of like my own capability and like where my philosophy, my sort of like theoretical philosophy really hit the road as far as reality goes. And I was like, that's a really good metaphor for just like life in general. Um, so I think mage has that, that value. And I think you're right, Matt, you do, you, you climb the mountain to reach the sky, not to reach the summit of the mountain. Great job. Thanks, Dave. What's our third star of the week? So our third star of the week, Matt, is that um, I am up at Beth's. I mean, it's my family also, just like my extended family. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but that Beth's family has a uh, farm in kind of upstate New York that her grandparents bought in like the early 90s or late 80s or something like that. And uh, we were like, well... It's functionally identical. Yeah, it's material. Uh, So... It's uh, for a long time, there were people that kind of like lived here more or less, um, like kind of off and on. But right now, nobody lives here. And there's somebody who lives close and is a caretaker. So it's in good condition and everything. And we're like, well, I work remotely and Beth has some part time work and she works remotely. We could just go to the farm for a week and that would be fine. And... It's been extremely good, actually. We're just, like, way out in the country. We're, like, eh, like half an hour from a town. So, like, we could get, pick, we could get like, pick up uh, pizza. So that was great. But, like, we're just out in the country. And there's nobody out here. And the kids are now old enough that they could just kind of, like, run around outside. And there's a playroom. And they could just go to the playroom and play. And so we just kind of been like chill, living that like chill country life. And it doesn't sound bad. You know, honestly, I, you know, you know, I'm a city boy. I am a city boy, but the thing is in 2020, all of this year stuff about a city is like this year, 2020 accessible to you. You can't get to that stuff. I'm basically living on a farm times, Dave. In my own house. Yeah, so now I'm just out on a farm in a real farm, and there's like an apple tree. I just walked outside and took an apple off a tree, Matt, and then I ate it with my mouth. That's weird. It's pretty, it was, I know, right? Uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's not rad. weird if you live near it's, apple trees, but. Yeah, but it is weird for me because I don't. So, yeah, we've just been like chilling out here. We were going to go home tomorrow, and I was like, you know what? Um, What if we just don't, though? What if we just stay for an extra few days? Because why not? Like, there's literally no yeah, reason. I mean, well like, aside from the, the fact that. Yeah, like, aside from the fact that, you know, like, someone's watching my cat. Like, beyond that, like, I can just be here. Um, so that's pretty wild, Matt. It's real good. And uh, if if you happen to have married into someone who had, like, a rich grandfather that bought a farm in, like, the 80s, I would I would definitely recommend it if you were on the fence. Cool. I will keep that, yeah. Dave, in mind. Matt, what is our fourth star of the week? Dave, fourth star of the week is that I, I put a picture of this on Twitter the other day, but 
a, a couple of days ago, I woke up and I realized that I had like a Zoom call meeting at 9 a.m. Uh, and I was in, and I realized just this while I was in bed, looking at my emails and my, like I have an Outlook app on my phone and I was looking through my schedule for the day and checking my morning emails and making sure that nothing in my work universe was like on fire. And I sw- swiped over to my uh, meetings. I was like, oh, I have a meeting in two minutes and I have to be on camera. So I, like, sprang out of bed. My desk was in my bedroom. I didn't have to go far. I sprang out of bed, turned on my computer, flipped on the camera, and threw on the closest clothes available, which were a Rowdy Roddy Piper Ringer t-shirt. Great job. Uh, a, a red knit cap to cover my, like, weird bed hair, and a red, like, and black plaid flannel shirt. And I threw them on. I'm like, yes, okay, I'm in this meeting. We're talking about talking about work that's it is somehow even less interesting than the least interesting thing i could bring up here so i won't go into the details of the meeting but i realized afterwards when i look caught myself in the mirror i'm like oh i have like accidentally cosplayed like 1993 right you know listen matt here's like, what i'm gonna uh, say you know the old phrase luck is just preparation meeting opportunity and i think that's the situation that's you found yourself in you were you, you know, were prepared. I, I don't disagree. I, I don't disagree, Dave. And and I, I so enjoyed it. I was like, you know, I'm just going to roll with this, actually. Like, I am just going to... I'm going to revel in the 90s a little bit. And so a I simpler, just popped open... A simpler time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, not in really. ways, but... Yeah. You know, my, I think just my life was simpler, <laughs> simpler My life 90s. was so much simpler. Uh, and so I just, I, I popped open the Apple Music app. I'm like, dude, let's just listen to some 90s stuff. So I spent the day listening to, like, the alternative 1996 hits playlist. Totally great. And then, oh, you yeah, know what dude. I shifted to the next day, Dave? Because I, I I decided I wanted to sort of stick with it for a few days. I Like, it put me in a good zone. Because it's, mm-hmm. like, the same music that was on the radio when I was doing homework after school when I was in high school, right? Oh, yeah, dude. As soon as we started having this conversation, I put on standing outside a broken phone booth with money in my hand, like low in the background, so I can still obviously hear you, but I'm just vibing. Bend down hearted, baby. Yeah, just Um, vibing right now, Matt. Dude, I found a playlist that is just, like, it is not the Lilith Fair albums, which are all live albums. It is a Lilith Fair playlist which is just mm. a playlist of people who were at or inspired by Lilith Fair. Quality. And I've just been listening to that for like two days straight. And Dave, it's so good. It's so good. You want to feel good this autumn? Listen to some Natalie Merchant. I do Listen like 10, Natalie 000 Merchant. Maniacs. I you, also you know, like 10,000 Maniacs. You, th- you think of Sarah McLaughlin as the lady from the Sad Animal commercial? But go I back don't actually, actually but listen I got to Sarah you. McLaughlin. I, I'm talking to the listener in that moment. Uh, we got we got a, a, probably a slightly younger audience base. Uh, but man, like if you if you if you never like listened to Sarah McLaughlin, listen to Sarah McLaughlin. Jagged Little Pill holds up. I've shifted now to Alanis Morissette, but I'm I'm just bouncing around what was in this playlist. Like, no, you know who like, I really like, Matt. Do it, Dido. I was just gonna say Dido. I'm a Dido fan. Both the musician 
and the legendary Queen of Carthage. Both great. Both great. Anyway, folks, do yourself a huge, just enormous favor and look up a Lilith Fair playlist and just just vibe. Just go for it. You're going to thank yourself and me, but mostly yourself and Lilith Fair. And mostly Matt, though. I mean, listen, I'm involved. Anyway, Dave, what is our fifth and final Star of the Week? Actually, Matt, this is a really excellent segue, because speaking of both music I've been enjoying and Cities of Antiquity, I have also been listening to an album because, listen, I am with you on uh, on these like just these very good vibes about this 90s playlist, but if I'm working, I can vibe too hard, so I need to find something that's like a little bit a little bit back from that. So what I have okay. been listening to while I'm doing my like asynchronous classwork is an album called The Lost Voices of the Hagia Sophia. Ooh, so like the 390s. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't so know. I, I, don't, I don't remember when the Hagia Sophia was built. So here's the here's what this is. So the Hagia Sophia is a uh, it is a cathedral slash mosque. It's kind of changed hands a number of times. And uh, right now, it is a museum. So actually, recently, it, it has been re... Uh, I'm not sure what the word is, but they are using it as an active mosque again, at least, like, in part. So anyways, here is what is amazing. Here's what's super amazing about this album. Uh, obviously, like, we... I shouldn't say obviously. <laughs> Maybe this isn't a thing that, that people dig if you are not into listening to, like, byzantine chant music uh but i am if you're some and sort of weirdo some sort of weirdo who doesn't like byzantine orthodox chant uh anyways here is what somebody did they got like a computer scientist and like an audio engineer acoustic like acoustic engineer expert and here's what they did they they got permission to go into the Hagia sophia and like the dead of night right just like and this is only important because there's nobody else there and they put mm-hmm. microphones right next like super sensitive microphones right next to each ear okay and then she okay. walked in and she popped a balloon and it created this you know like a balloon popping noise and it of course echoes off of off of the Hagia the interior of the Hagia Sophia and sure. using and using the data from the microphones on each ear what they effectively did was make like a Hagia Sophia acoustic filter. So you can record oh, they, something. Uh, okay. So you can record something and then you run it through the filter. And but you, it sounds like it's echoing through the Hagia Sophia? Yes. And okay. so now like, what's crazy about this is that as you're describing, I'm like, oh, they pulled a Brian May. Because this is exactly what Brian May did for the stomp, stomp, clap sound in We Will Rock You. I mean, not exactly. Like, he wasn't... He, Wait, what? Did you not know this? Do you know how the stomp, stomp, clap sounds like sound like they're echoing off of walls and stuff? Is Did did he just go to a cathedral? No, I didn't know this. Did he just go no, to he, a cathedral? He, he, okay, so he didn't go to a cathedral and, like, pop a balloon, because this was, you know, way back in the day. Yeah. But Brian May has a PhD in astrophysics. He's, like, a very smart guy. 
And so he, like, did math to figure out, like, what sort of delay and stuff you would have to do on the sound to make it sound as though it is reverberating in a huge, huge room. But really, it was just, like, microphones next to them jumping up and down on planks of wood. And then they just layered it. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and then they just, like, figured out how to loop it. Yeah, so that is precisely what they did. So there's this album called Lost Voices of the Hagia Sophia and it's a it is a like Byzantine chant choir from like the west coast somewhere that's like pretty well known and they had them do the a west whole coast album of the Bosphorus? this is a great uh, Constantinople joke <laughs> uh, no west west coast America no it's Istanbul and, now <laughs> the four lads wait. have taught us this so yeah, and they just did this album, and then they ran it through this filter so you can listen to it, and it sounds as though you are standing in the midst of, like, this ancient cathedral. Um, it's extremely rad and very chill, and it's great uh, background music to to grade papers by. Cool, man. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's just extremely rad. I love rad things, Dave, and that's great. Because we are going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about a very rad episode of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called, Now's the Time, The Life-Threatening Superfusion. Uh, And we will talk about it when we come right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 21 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called, Now's the Time, The Life-Threatening Superfusion. It was written by Junki Takagami. Its original air date was July 6th, 1997. Of course, if you wanted to have watched it, you could have done so. I guess you could do so still. Um, Either with the DVDs or at ShellFactory.tv. Dave, good up. Yeah, it is a good up. Can I I just briefly diverge? I'm going to say I deeply appreciate the public service that Shout Factory provides by putting all this stuff on their website. I have no idea how Shout Factory makes money. I mean, they do like, sell I know the that DVDs. they do. I've got like five sets of them. <laughs> um, well, like they don't even show ads at the beginning of it. Like these people are amazing. Like they're just out there loving life, giving you Sentai for free. Um, you can pay them for it, and that would be great. But um, yeah, it's all just out there. It's red. Anyways, sorry. Please continue. Oh, so this episode starts off with sort of a recap of where we have been in the last few episodes. So Gyrail shows, and which is probably good for us to go through because there was... There's uh, been a lot. uh, A lot. Well, also because we didn't have an episode last week. So uh, if you have uh, not been paying super close attention, and it's been a couple of weeks since you have heard it, if you're listening to these as they're coming out, maybe we can give you a little bit of an update. So Gyrail, he's here. He's the new guy. Yes. He's the new, he, like, Nezere lieutenant. He has been sent in from King Javius I of his name, uh, who mm-hmm. has been sent in to, like, like jumpstart a sort of stagnated Dr. Hinalar operation, right? Yeah, it's not super clear who who kind of is in charge. Uh, it did at first seem like when Guy Rail showed up that he was, like, the new 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 boss on the block but now that maybe is not quite the case a guy rail this is in my notes for a little a few minutes into the episode guy rail definitely acts as though he is the guy who is here and is now the boss 
but has not yet told the old boss that the old boss is not the boss anymore. Okay, yes. I like, can, did that ever I happen to that. you when you were working at like a restaurant? Uh, this definitely happened to me when I worked at Borders once, where like a lady showed up and was like, oh yeah, I'm here to help you with inventory this weekend. And then like two weeks later, we found out that that person was our new boss. That's a weird strategy. Weird Boy, strategy it was super for coming weird. in. But it, like, and- Guy Rail definitely gives me like Cynthia vibes. Her name was Cynthia. <laughs> I was going to say, thank you for that very specific piece of information. He seems slightly less evil. Yeah. Wow. Hard cut there on Cynthia, man. Um, Oh, well. So, yeah. um, And then last week, we got a new giant robot. And the new giant robot is called Delta Mega. And the interesting thing about Delta Mega is that it's a little bit of a... um, Tetra Boy, or what was the wheel one from O-Ranger? Oh. Tackle Boy? Tackle Boy. Maybe it was, yeah, Tackle Boy. So he's sort of like a Tetra Boy, Tackle Boy situation where you don't pilot Delta Mega. He's just, he's autonomous, and you can call him in to to fight with you. That is a little bit odd. I feel like Delta Boy would have, no, Delta Mega works a little bit better. Anyways. I call him Delta Boy, though. Probably. I'm probably going to try to do it as a joke and then forget it by the end of this episode. So anyways, uh, the interesting thing about that is that the Nezere are fully aware of it. And it's actually sort of the crux of their plan for this week. So now we're into this week's episode. And it's Guy Rail talking to the other Nezere or Nezeregians. And he says, listen, here's the Jim Jam. Uh, Delta Mega does not move on its own. If we can take Red out of the equation... Then, then like Delta Mega is is off the table. Like that yeah. is he's the or linchpin. rather it is on the table, but on a different side of the table. Right. Uh, we see this week's monster, which is Centipede Nezere, which Ben's Boy, been I equipped hate with. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do very much. Here's the big problem with Centipede Nezere. Is well themed? Yeah. Is the base level is that I hate him because he is centipede themed, and that's very bad. The reason Somehow even, even worse than Moth Nezere. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing, is that Moth Nezere was like a weird moth man. It's very difficult to make a centipede man. So what centipede Nezere is, is it just looks like a, a big lumpy person with a giant centipede crawling on and like twined around their whole body. And then also yeah, has, replaced, has replaced their head. So he's very bad. But he has been equipped with some sort of energy generator of indeterminate provenance. Um, and they're going to send him to to deal with this, with this situation. Right. All right. So, and, doc, and, and this is what I was saying earlier, is that Guy Rail is like, hey, Dr. Hinalar, with your permission, I would like to put this plan in place. Because I think we can do this thing to take over Delta Mega. Dr. Hinalar says, yes, cool. I'm definitely still in charge. So you go right ahead, Cynthia. Deal with this problem for me. <laughs> um, so so we, we, we cut back down to Earth. And in the computer lab, the four smart Mega Rangers are looking at a computer. And they're saying like, oh, okay. So Delta Mega has been like programmed specifically to respond to Kent's voice. Which I love. Because... 
it's this giant complex like computer system that has been programmed to respond to the only one of the five of them who has no idea how to otherwise interface with a complex computer system. Maybe that's why. Maybe they needed Kenta's simplicity of, like, only using voice commands. Like, if they gave it to Kuitru, right. he'd be like, no, let me get in on the programming. And they're like, don't touch right. the programming. Just tell it to punch guys. And Kenta's like, right. yes, I will. I'm into it. Like, it's pro- it's programmed in binary, and that's what Kenta's, like, emotional state is. He's like, like yes or no, one or zero. This is all I've got. I love it. Uh, so... They're like, hey, here's the only problem. What if, like, what if you couldn't call in because it's programmed to respond to your voice? And Kenda's like, it's okay. His heart would respond to me. Like, it's great. Like, me and Delta Mega, we're best friends. He he's gets talking about me. it like it's his childhood dog that has been right. his he's best like, friend for 10 he's years. He's like, Delta Mega gets me on a level that none of you other clowns do. We are soul brothers. Me and Delta Mega forever. It's cool. Okay, then so we get an Dr. Kubota comes in. He's like, okay, I don't know what any of you people are talking about, but there is a monster attack right now. You've got to go respond. Yes. So they, they run, run out. out. Uh, there's Centipede. What's weird is that Centipede and Nezirate is there, but by the time that the Mega Rangers arrive, Centipede and Nezirate has like disappeared. True, but who is there is, weirdly, Rhino Nezere. From, like, episode two. Yeah, and so they're like, well, this guy's a clown, and they just blast him, and he just goes down immediately. Uh, but then they see Frog Nezere and Shrimp Nezere, and then Rhino gets back up, he's back again, and then we got, like, Bee Nezere, Moth Nezere. Like, basically, all of these monsters from early on in the season are back somehow. And they've clearly been revived with, like, one hit point. Mm-hmm. Like, they take, like, one shot and they go back down, but then they just kind of keep popping back up. Yeah, and we cut back up to, like, the Nezere HQ, and Shibaline is controlling them. She's like, okay, just, like, keep, like, keep going down, keep getting up, keep them busy. We just need you to interfere for a while longer and as they are doing this the 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 rangers are getting frustrated they kind of don't know what to do like these guys are going down quickly but they keep getting you know they 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 get knocked down but they get up again yeah and and it seems like nothing can ever keep them down which is a problem and so it, it becomes an even larger problem when they look off into the city and they see that centipede nezere is now giant-sized and just rampaging through the city. Yeah. And they're like, well, listen, you just need to call, like, call Delta Mega, or um, call Galaxy Mega. Galaxy and they're Mega. like, well, we can't. Yeah, we can't we're because we're we're busy. And they're like, ah, obviously the solution, just call Delta Mega, who's autonomous. He can come down and he'll fight the giant while you guys handle handle these guys. Right. Seems like a great idea if we, the audience, did not already know that this was the Nezere's plan. Right. Dramatic irony. So they do that exact thing. And when it, when they get there, what hands, ends up happening is uh, basically he, uh, Guy Rail reveals, he's like, listen, he's just 
Delta Mega is like controlled by signal effectively. So if we can just ramp up our signal on the same frequency, we will override INET signal and we can then take over Galaxy Me- or Delta Mega. And that is exactly what they do. Like that, it is perfect. Yeah, they do exactly their plan. Delta Mega, like we have a whole sequence where Delta Mega starts in space and he turns into a robot and he flies down to Earth and he stands there. And then he gets zapped with a radio wave and he flies back up into space. And what's weird here is that, like, Centipede Nezere is still giant, right? And the other yeah. five, um, like, zombie Nezere are wiping the floor with the Mega Rangers because they just can't beat them. But as soon as yeah, they get control it is... of Delta Mega, everyone just leaves. Like, guys, listen, I am... I know that you can't just kill the heroes because this is episode 21. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I wish that they would have put in some sort of, like, explanation as to why they had to leave. Like, the thing that they were doing was... Like, we'll find out later that the way that these people keep reviving is based off of this energy generator that it has been equipped on Centipede Nezere. And if they had just taken one second to say... This thing is running out of energy, so we've got Delta Mega, and now it's time to go because they're about to defeat the like unending zombie horde of Rhino Nezere at all. Yeah, that would have made like that would have made this episode work so much smoother. You know, man, I feel like we got a little bit spoiled with um, Car Ranger. Car Ranger was really good about giving that like. 15, 5 to 15 seconds worth of like additional exposition that made everything make sense. And I think yeah. uh, Mega Ranger has been Mega Ranger has been good about avoiding the need for it. <laughs> but uh but clearly uh it's still there. It's it's kind of baked into the DNA. So okay. oh, uh, I should Dave, say Dave, Dave, give me one second. I've gotta shift my notes here. I have been doing my notes on my iPad recently. I have a uh, so I've, I oh because you got the yeah I got the Apple Pencil and I've got the iPad and so with the most recent iPad OS update, you can just write with the Apple Pencil in the Note app, and it will turn your handwriting into like typed text, and it's really good. It's very interesting. The problem is, it's not perfect. And so, mm-hmm. like, although it seems like it's supposed to take way less time because you're just, like, scribbling on your screen and it's turning into, like, beautiful uh, typed text, a lot of the words I'm trying to write are not words that this program recognizes and can turn into anything. And so I get, like, through Act 1 of the show, and then I realize if I'm going to spend that much time going back and re-editing the notes so that they're legible later, it will take me a full hour to watch this half-hour show. So now (laughs) I have just shifted from the text to handwriting to just me scribbling on my screen, and it's going to get more and more illegible as we go through, but I think I'll be fine. I think you'll be okay. There is one thing I want to talk about that I forgot to about Delta Mega launching, which is when Delta Mega launches, he is surrounded by scaffolding, and then the scaffolding just go to like off, uh, and then Delta Mega launches. Here's the thing: they're in like outer space, 
and they just launched off like building sized scaffolding. It just seems impossible that they're going to be able to get that back. And I'm getting the impression that we're going to see it launch every single time that we see Delta Mega launch. Uh, and that just seems financially irresponsible. My my thought on this, it's like, you know that that old toy that's a horse? And you and it's on like a little stand, and you press the button on the bottom of the stand, and the horse collapses because you've like oh, released yeah. the tension on the string that's holding the horse together. That is kind of how I'm assuming that the scaffolding on the Delta Mega works is like it kind of comes apart, but it doesn't actually fly off into the distance. It just sort of like it's just like a falling down wooden So it's on a tether and then you just kind of grab it back. I dig it. I dig it. That does make a lot of sense and I feel like they have the technology. So anyways, uh the monsters are out. DM's flying or Delta Mega is flying around terrorizing people. They're talking to Dr. Kubota from the computer lab. Uh I do continue to find it wild that anytime they want to talk to Dr. Kubota, they have to like go to the school's computer lab. I mean, it was 1997. How else were they going to get online? <laughs> I mean, I know, but they do have those. They have like risk communicators that theoretically should work. Yeah, like that's the implication. True. <laughs> and I can tell you, school buildings are not open all the time. You cannot get into a school building whenever you want. So I guess, like, just thankfully, the Nezere only attack when the Rangers are supposed to be in class I mean, okay, or something. Dave, you say that, but when we were in high school, when the building was closed, we knew how to get in. Okay, yeah, but we did go to do kind of a weird, uh, very loosey-goosey kind of high school. Okay, that's very true. That's Any, very true. Anyways, so Kenta, Man, they're this like... Has gotta be, this has got to be so bad for iNet's PR... Because there's a brand new robot that they made last week. It's great. It's killing a crocodile. It's killing Everybody a loves it. crocodile. This week, that same robot is just wandering around Tokyo, destroying apartment buildings with lasers. That's not with Gatling good for hands. INET. Or for it the is not a buildings. good look. So here is... So they're talking to Dr. Kubota, and Dr. Kubota's like, listen... um, we have a problem. Well, I think Dr. Kubota is very aware of this problem, and he's like, I don't think we can get this thing back. Our only option is going to be to destroy Delta Mega. Kenta flips. He's like, this cannot Hates happen. This Hates this idea. He's like, I'm out. So he just, he just like, angry kid runs away. <laughs> also, he, speaking of ed- angry kid reactions, his his take on this is not being mad that... The Nezere have outsmarted them, not being mad that the city is being destroyed. He's like, Delta Mega was programmed to respond to my voice. My voice. That means that if the Nezere is able to control him now, that he is resonating more with their voice than with my voice. And that hurts me personally. And I'm going to sulk about it and run off like a weird idiot. Yeah, well, where he runs off to is to go find Delta Mega. And he, like... Uh, and then I should say, Koichu even says, like, dude, Delta Mega is just a robot. He's only and responding Dr. to, like, signals and programming. Also, yeah. Kubota says the same thing. He's like, yeah, Koichu is right. It is a robot. It doesn't have a heart. Like, 
It's not a person. Don't think about it that way, please. And Kenta's like, I will think about it that way. Thank you very much. You guys are both jerks. And uh, all I need to do is make my voice stronger so that it can hear me. So he I, I do he have it written in my out. notes after he says, I need to make my voice stronger. I have it in my notes. I'm so mad that this is going to work. And I want to revisit that later in the episode. I just want to seed that here. Okay, I got you. I got you. Because I didn't, I didn't put it in my notes, but I did have that same thought. So he runs out. He sees Delta Mega. He's about to get the Gatling hands, but he yells into Battle Riser. And there is like, there's a very, there's a brief pause. He does, he does, he does manage to like, something he is gets happening. Delta it's Mega's not exactly attention. clear what. Yeah. Now he does then also get the Gatling hands. Yeah, and, and that's that not as good. <laughs> he's, he's, stand, he's standing in this alleyway, and Delta Mega stops, and he turns to him. And Kent is like, yes, 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 yes. my voice. My voice is getting through. And then Delta Mega just points the Gatling fingers and just shoots lasers and explodes the entire alley. Now, Kente is not immediately incinerated, which... Either means that this is a show for children who is not going to immediately incinerate one of the main characters, which is a valid point. But if you were going to take a different reading on it, you could say that maybe Kenta's voice actually is getting through to Delta Mega. And he's like, I'm going to shoot towards you, but not at you, really. I don't know if this is actually valid in the like reading of the episode, but I don't know. I just wanted to mention it. No, I I can hear what you're saying. Um, the the vibe I got from it is that like he is because it is it's all signal, right? And so right now the only signal he's getting is from the Nezare. But when he when he gets that input from Kenta, there is at least a you know like there's like a disruption, you know. Yeah. So anyways, uh, Kubota reiterates, he's like, we've just got to use Galaxy Mega to destroy Delta Mega. Kubota's still super angry about it. The other Rangers get in. Uh, Red Henshin's runs directly into the line of fire. Uh, they pad the episode out a little bit. Well, they get, we get a shot of everybody henching, right? They need to fill this script yeah. out a little. Yeah. Uh, Red is you know, still reluctant, but he's like, all right, man. We got to do something. We have we we got to do something about this. So they're in Galaxy Mega, and they're trying to not attack. Like Red won't attack. He's playing kind of a defensive game, but he's like, I really don't want to do this. Now we shift to the inside of Galaxy Mega. Dave, I'm I'm sorry. There's one bit that I want to make sure we don't gloss over. Oh please, I love it. He's trying Kenta in. The cockpit of Galaxy Mega is still trying to talk to Delta Mega. He's like, please, stop, stop. And for a moment, Delta Mega stops. And he's like, yes, I've gotten through to you. We can be friends again. Please, Delta Mega, let's shake on it. And Galaxy Mega puts out its hand. Oh, this and is Delta awesome. Mega yeah, puts out you, its man. hand. But Delta Mega's hand, all of the fingers, are Gatling gun lasers. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's a moment where, like, he goes in for the handshake, but instead of getting a handshake, gets a face full of, like, Gatling gun finger lasers, and it's extremely funny. I don't know uh, if it's yeah, meant it to is... be funny, but it absolutely is. Uh... 
<laughs> I I think you can read it either way. Um, so we go to the inside of Galaxy Mega, and Shogo, who we met last episode, who is the chief engineer, runs in. He's like, I have another way. I have another way out of this. And Kubota's like, no, it's too dangerous. And... Kenta hears this. He's like, whatever it is, I don't even care. I don't even know what the plan is. I don't care that it's dangerous. If it's going to save Delta Mega, let me try. I was really hoping that he would say, I I don't care what it is. I trust Shogo because they bonded in the last episode. He doesn't say it, but I'm going to assume that He does not say that. Yeah, uh, I am not going to assume that subtext. I just assume that that Kenta is is down to clown. Um, I mean, that's also true. Yeah, so Kubota says, listen, I'm not going to do that. There are 100 people that are like live on Galaxy Mega, and they could all die. I'm, I refuse to authorize this. Shogo says, it's cool. We all are, we all agree. And everybody that works on INET rushes in. Apparently, in the last 30 seconds, they have held a poll gotten a unanimous consent to risk everyone's life on on the hope that the Rangers can pull this off and save Delta Mega. Okay, Dave, I, I, I got a thought on this. Because they say there's 100 people on board, but there are not 100 people who crowd into the control center that lives in probably the chest of uh, Galaxy Mega. And you know who... And specifically, now, normally I would say, like, well, you know, whatever. They, they're only going to have so many extras in the episode. But Tall Steve isn't here. Like, I looked. Oh, my goodness, you're right. Tall Steve does not show up with the crowd that says, yes, please risk all of our lives. So I am. I have to assume that there's, like, of the 100 people on board, Shogo went around to, like, 30 of them that he knew he could, like, count on to be on board with this really stupid plan. He's like, I'm not going to talk to Tall Steve. Tall Steve knows way too much about how dangerous this is. Yeah, he is dramatically too practical for this. Anyway, but all of the people who are in the room say, yes, please risk our lives for this very dangerous plan. Let's do it. Uh, Dr. Kubota thanks them all. It's very heartfelt. Dr. Kubota rules this... We haven't talked a ton about him in the episode, but man, Dr. Kubota is very good and very good in this episode specifically. Yeah, um, he he really is. It's it's very, very awesome. Um, and so they do. And he's like, activate Galaxy Fusion. Uh, this whole time, Galaxy Omega is just being absolutely blasted by, <laughs> by Delta Omega. Sure. Assumingly, Tall Steve is somewhere down in the bowels of the ship trying to keep the fires from spreading. Yeah, so how you activate, you you push a button and then it it just flips over the console in front of Kenta. And then he takes off Battle Riser and kind of like puts it into the console in a particular way. And this activates the the fusion and they're like, if this doesn't work, we're all going to die, and Galaxy Omega will be under the Nazare's control. And I'm like, all right, see, now what you've yeah. done is you put too many eggs in this basket. You put too many eggs in this basket, so even if I didn't automatically know how well this was going to turn out, now I definitely know how it's going to turn out. I feel like they should have kept the stakes slightly lower, and then the tension would have been a little bit better. Anyways, 
And then basically we get a scene where uh, we get the scene in the video game where like everybody has to push their button as hard as fast as you can. And like the meter is kind of going up and down based on who's pressing their button faster. And the Rangers do in fact press their button faster. And then they, they do the fusion. Now it's a very good fusion here's why good it's extremely cool uh normally what we've seen in the past when you get a fusion is like it kind of gets like stacked on like you know you wear another you wear the other robot as like a as like football pads effectively this is not that basically delta mega breaks into a bunch of pieces and and is like extra boots and extra glove and an extra chest piece. It's like a, the, the Delta Mega turns into armor for Galaxy Mega. It's just it's super rad. It's, it's just it's it looks super extremely great. good. And what's and what's especially good about it is that like Delta Mega still is kind of like not quite in sync with Galaxy Mega. So like the boots go on fine, the helmet goes on fine, the shoulder pads go on fine. But there is like this chest piece where like the the torso of uh, Delta Mega becomes this like chest piece for Galaxy Mega, and it tries to attach. By the way, they have flown up into space to do all of this. Yeah, if they have to fly up into space every time, it's going to seem really inefficient. Yeah, yeah, it's quick transport. We've seen it before, but the chest piece like isn't fitting on. It's like trying to go on and like lock into the various sockets or whatever but it's like bouncing off and there are sparks flying everywhere and it's not working and they're worried that the whole thing is just going to shake apart and explode and then after a few different times like it finally locks in and then we are standing there and we see super galaxy mega and it's very good it's, i mean it's basically galaxy Sup- mega with an extra hat and boots and gloves and shoulder cannons yeah um it's just it just is real rad, man. And it flies back to, back to Earth, and it destroys uh, Centipede Nazare. I mean, it yeah. takes a few seconds, but not that many seconds. Yeah, now, I will say, it destroys Centipede Nazare with an unexpected finishing special move. Uh, it does have Gatling shoulder... Like, the Gatling lasers become, like, Gatling shoulder pads. Uh, Gatling pauldron, I guess. Uh, however, its super move is Super Galaxy Knuckles... And it's just a double rocket fist, which is cool, it's but cool. unexpected. It, it was unexpected until I remembered that the whole thing is controlled by the Battle Riser. And the Battle Riser is a thing oh, that sits on thing. Mega Red's wrist and makes him punch super good. So he just, like, I think previously he had only hit numbers one and two. On the battle riser, maybe this is, and this is number three. Number three is Super Galaxy Knuckle, and it just shoots these two fists, which I'm sure is a toy. Was very fun. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And that's it. I mean, they, there's a bit where the other monsters are also trying to fight him, and they keep falling down and getting back up. But like, really. This fight is kind of open and shut. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's the that's kind of the thing of it. So and they're, all, and they're all cheering, and everyone on board is cheering. Like all this, the the crew is cheering, and then the the Mega Rangers are cheering. And Kenta says, "This victory does not just belong to us." 
It also belongs to this everyone great... who built this incredible system. It's very nice. I like, yeah. Thank you, Kenta. That was a great line. And there's, right at the end, you think that we're about to throw to credits, and then we get this other weird bit with Gyral, who has come down to Earth, and is standing, like, as the light of the sunset is hitting him. He's like, you don't actually know my true power. The next time we face off, I will destroy you myself. And then the episode ends. But then you think that my notes are going to end, but they don't actually, because there's another line in them about the ending of this episode. Dave, did you watch the ending of the end credits of this episode? Uh, no, I generally do not watch the end credits because it's usually okay. like a preview for the next week. It was different end credits. This what? episode, I'm guessing, must have occurred during some sort of like festival, like some sort of holiday, because the end credits of this episode are like a full song and dance routine of like the rangers preparing and like enjoying some sort of Japanese festival where there's like drums and they're dancing and they're all wearing like traditional garb. What? If you normally skip the credits, check out the credits for this one. It's like a weird fun thing. I don't anticipate it being like the new end credit sequence, but it, uh, it was fun this week. And that, and that, Dave, finally, is the end of the episode. But of course, as you know, it's not the end of our episode. Because first, we need to determine where Centipede Nesere fares in the Creature Royale. I mean, probably not great, right? Well, okay. He's got a very, very bad, but in a sense, cool and unique look. He does have a neat power. Like, his plan is very cool. This is a, like, like resurrect a bunch of old monsters and use them as zombie foot soldiers while you try to take over the ranger's new secret giant robot. That's a pretty rad plan. Yeah, but the centipede Nezari himself, I, I don't actually think we ever described this. At some point early in the episode, they say that he has been equipped with an energy generator. And the energy generator is the thing that is able to, like keep bringing back the other dead Nezere monsters. Um, well, okay. And so when they blow That's him fair. up, that is like the source of the energy and they and that sort of stops the cycle. But like he himself is not doing it. True, but I will point out that that like superpower dancing cockroach from last season, he's I can't remember his name all of a sudden. But you know, he was sort of an equipment-based monster. Right? That wasn't all him. That's true. I'm just saying that this is definitely the worst centipede that we've seen. Because well, because the yeah, best centipede that we've seen, of course, is Omikade, the football centipede that was also a secret Santa Claus. And that's number 52 on the list. So it's definitely okay, under well, yeah, that. He's not definitely under that, no question. So as I'm going down... Uh, Okay, so the cockroach that you were talking about from the previous season. Man, is there a cockroach? How many cockroaches have we seen? Because adhesive cockroach is number one. There's adhesive cockroach. Well, we're three for five, three for six seasons. So. Too many. A surprising, I, I just a surprising number, I guess, is what I would say. I mean, that's, say. that's always the problem with cockroaches, is there's too many. Okay, Dave. So, I, I, I think that a good comparison point is, do you remember in Cocky Ranger, the episode with Tengu? Yeah, I mostly remember his look more than anything. Well, if you don't remember the Tengu episode, 
the Tengu episode was like he came back, like he showed up and he brought back a bunch of other monsters that had been resurrected via cybernetics. Now that was actually part of uh, Doctor Yagame's plot line, but like the episode was a Tengu episode. Like he was sort of like the front, oh okay like the leader yes, yes, of yeah, the no, resurrected I... dudes, which is kind of similar, right? Like. Centipede Nezere didn't create the energy regeneration device, and he was just sort of, like, there to deal with something that Gyrail had made, or Shibalina had made, I can't, I don't recall exactly. Um, I think that Tengu is slightly cooler, because when he brought back the old monsters, they were cyborgs, and that's fun. Yeah, 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 that is definitely better. So I would say... Better than Vacuum Dimension. I do like him better than Land Zazoon and, and Marine Zaboom and Zaboomafoom and everybody. Because they were just monsters. I feel like Tengu did was part of at least a, a pretty cool plan. So I would say Yeah. So okay, so here I guess here's Okay, the now I'm gonna I'm gonna back that up. I'm gonna back that up. I don't like him as much as all three of them put together. So I would say Okay, and Azuki Arai is number one forty two, and I feel like we keep not I feel like Azuki Arai keeps moving further and further down the list. Where actually he was pretty good. Yeah. So I would say the Beanwasher from well, Kaku Ranger. He pretended to be a policeman, and he had like a weird magic dungeon under under his. Oh yeah, no, station. I know who he is. Underneath him actually is Mushroom Nezere, and I really liked Mushroom Nezere too. So okay. okay, I do like him. I like him better than Pee I don't know. Pee Rampa turned a one into a rocket. That's true. That is true. I do definitely like him better than... You like him better than Barra Boxer? I do like him better than Barra Missler. Better okay, than Barra but, Missler. But not quite as well as uh, Barra Mammoth? Not quite as well as Barra Mammoth. I actually kind of liked Barra Mammoth. Yeah, it was pretty good. So here he is. Spot, new spot number 147. Centipede Nezere. You know what's interesting about that is that Centipede Nezere might be underneath all of the Nezere monsters that he resurrected in this episode. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, he's definitely underneath B Nezere. He's definitely underneath Poison Moth Nezere. He's just a few spots lower than Shrimp Nezere. I'm not going to go through the entire list to find them all, because that would be very time-consuming, and no one would like it. But I think it's funny to think about. Anyway, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. You want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we are talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Or just tell a friend. That's probably more effective and more personal. And we can all afford to be a little more personal these days. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to all of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can find us all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth. Mega, mega.